All right, hello family. Good to see you guys. Are you ready to hear about Jesus? Me too. That's good. Grab your Bibles then. Open them up. Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 30 is where we're going to be. Today we've been walking through uh, the Gospel of Mark and we've been looking at uh, the questions that King Jesus asks the people that encounter him and bump into him along the way. And today Jesus asks a question to his disciples right before he performs a miracle. Please give your attention to the reading of God's word. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in a boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them. And they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish, and those who ate the loaves were five thousand men. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our God. Thank you for knowing so much. We don't have to know everything, because you know everything. All we need to do is trust what you know. Trust what you say about us, about yourself. So, Lord, would you help us do that today? Would you take your word and make it plain And change our hearts so that we'll want what you want and love the things that you love the most. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Have you ever found yourself uh, assigned to a job that was way, way too big for you? Do you know what I mean? Uh, Where the needs that were in front of you just 
absolutely surpass your capacity. Like, anyone experience that? Me too. There's this iconic episode of I Love Lucy where Lucy, you guys are laughing because you know the one I'm talking about. Lucy and her friend Ethel, they're always getting into trouble, and they decided that they're going to they're gonna get a job. And so they, they get a job at a candy factory, uh, wrapping up little chocolates as they come down this conveyor belt uh, in front of them. And her supervisor tells her that she only ha- Lucy only has one rule that she needs to remember, and this is it. She's not allowed to let even one piece of chocolate get past her and fall on the floor. And then her supervisor shouts to someone off screen, let it roll. And they start coming down the conveyor belt. The chocolates, they come slowly at first, and Lucy's got no problem wrapping them up and putting them back down. And, you know, what an easy job, she's thinking to herself. You know, I could do this all day. It's such an easy, simple job. But they gradually come faster and faster, and before long, Lucy is completely overwhelmed. She's, she's literally grabbing handfuls of them and she's stuffing them in her mouth and stuffing them in her uniform and in her hat. That's kind of what Christian ministry feels like at times. Sometimes, if, I mean, can we be honest here? It feels like in Christian ministry that Jesus has placed us at the far end of a conveyor belt that never stops and he's set the throttle to high speed. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, then you know what? You've been conscripted into his mission. You've been drafted into his ministry whether you know it or not. That's part of your identity now. You're in ministry. You are his stand-in representative to the world that he's trying to reach. You. Not someone else. I'm talking to you. You are his disciples. Well, just like the original 12 disciples, you are charged with calling all people, no matter who they are, to repentance. You are charged with proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and that everybody needs to get in on this kingdom while there's time and ministering to their needs along the way. That's not just my job. That's your job. But like we said, it often feels like Jesus has assigned us to a job that is far too big for us. And so the question is, how do we minister to needy people for Jesus with Jesus? How do we do that, Crossway? How do we minister to needy people for Jesus with Jesus? And that's what Mark is going to be answering for you and I today. Mark tells us that there's something that we should acknowledge, something we should give, and something we should believe. And we'll go with those in order First of all, you and I, we need to first acknowledge that Christ's assignment overwhelms our capacities. His assignment does overwhelm our capacities. Let's look at the text, verses 35 through 37. And when it grew late, his disciples came to Jesus and they said, This is a desolate place and the hour is now late. Send them away. They're wanting to send people away from Jesus to get provisions. Isn't that interesting? 
send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy, so they can buy themselves something to eat. But he answered to them, you give them something to eat. And in the Greek, that's an emphatic you. No, no, you give them something to eat. The disciples see that a crisis is brewing. It's coming. It's not here yet, but it's coming pretty quick. And they can tell Jesus has been teaching this crowd, get this, of thousands upon thousands of people. Just close your mind and try to like picture all these people if it helps you. He's been teaching this crowd of thousands of needy people for hours upon hours. And nobody thought to bring food. And nobody thought that night is coming. And what's interesting in Mark's gospel, Jesus always feeds people by teaching them first. That's an interesting little thing in Mark. He feeds people, he always takes care of their need by teaching them God's word first. And it's hour after hour, and nobody says, huh, that's enough for me, I guess I'm going home. They don't look at their watch and go, when can we get out of here, Jesus? When are you going to wrap it up? They stay for hours. Can you, even, can you even imagine that? This crowd of at least 5,000 people, are in like, they're, 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 they're in a desolate place. Like No one thought, oh, let's bring us lunch or a snack or a chair. It's like, I mean, the way Mark writes this is like they just, I heard, and they got up and they quit work or school or whatever they were doing and just like bolted out the door with no thought for the afternoon. They chase them down. They're needy. That's, what, that's how needy people act, right? There's, there's no provisions. There's no lodging. There's no food out there. It's a desolate place. They're far away from all of these supplies. And not only that, but the disciples are worn out. They're tired of being around needy people. Remember, Jesus called them to a desolate place for the purpose so that they could get some rest from all the work that they did on that recent mission trip that Jesus put them on. Just a few verses earlier before this. They're peopled out. They've been casting out demons and proclaiming the kingdom and calling people to repentance and they need a rest, rest from people. And yet here they come, thousands of, like thousands of them. They have no energy to give these needy people. They have no food to give these needy people. And the people just keep coming and coming and coming. And they stay and they stay and they don't go home. They stay. And so the reasonable suggestion is to send them away from Jesus to the nearest town to get food and lodging. Now, little side note here. The nearest town, Luke tells us in his account, is Bethsaida. Bethsaida's population at this time is 600. Uh, 5,000 to 8,000 people, because a lot of people believe there's like women in the crowd and other children. It says it did just count the men. Maybe they got tired, and that's like, I'll like a count or something. I don't know. But like 5,000 to 8,000 would literally overrun the infrastructure of a town of 600. Like easily. And all the little villages and smaller hamlets that are nearby. 
But instead of calming this coming crisis, instead of calming that down, Jesus actually intensifies the crisis. Did you see it? He like brings it to a head. He says, no, 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 we're not going to do that. And that sounds reasonable. We're not going to do that. You give them something to eat. My disciples, you do it. Jesus clearly expects you and I to partner and to further in his ministry, the kingdom of God. And the disciples reply, they ask, how are they supposed to feed so many needy people? I don't, know that, I don't think they're necessarily being sarcastic. I think they're like trying to run the numbers. They're like, oh, okay, <laughs> how do we do that? They don't have the resources. They don't have the money. And even if they did, they don't have even like a, a system in place. You're talking about overrunning something, overrunning an infrastructure. They don't even have a system in place for the, like the logistics of handing out groceries to 5,000 and 8,000 people. Like that's a stadium, Right? His assignment overwhelms their capacities, and they express that to Jesus. They basically say, look, we cannot do what you are commanding us to do, Jesus. And that is where all ministry in Jesus' name begins. Humbly acknowledging that we cannot do the work that Jesus has called us to participate in. We've got too many problems to actually do what he's told us to do. We'll, we'll, we'll muck it up, you know? Some of you guys know we, we call my grandfather Jida. He's my last living grandparent. And Jida served in the Air Force during the Korean War. When Jida was only, uh, Jida was only 22 years old at the time when he was serving was in a young marriage, and they were still trying to figure things out. He had just kissed his one-month-old son goodbye, and then he was living in a foreign country on the other side of the planet. Among his other duties as an officer, he was responsible for the medical supplies in a tent hospital, which housed 300 beds. You can just imagine a big old white tent and 300 beds under it for sick and for injured soldiers. And he had one private that served under him. So he was supposed to manage him and help him, you know, he was supposed to help him do what he needed to do. He was in contact with the doctors. What are your supplies? What are the needs now? How do they change? And how can I get that to you in a timely fashion? It was a lot of questions. It was a lot of decisions to face each day as a young man. And he once told me that he'd walk into this hospital with all these beds in it, with all these different people in it in the morning, and he'd just get nervous. he just like, anxiety would come over him. he said, Chad, I pray, Jesus, I don't know how to take care of this many people. I don't know how to solve that problem. And I don't know how to fix this problem. You have to help me do my job today. And that was his prayer. That was his confession. Over and over, the assignment overwhelmed his capacities. And so he'd pray that confession every day just about, over and over, as a young man. And you know what he told me? That Jesus would show up. 
Jesus would show them the way that day, or Jesus would supply the need, or the person that could supply the need, moment by moment sometimes. Brothers and sisters, do you feel overwhelmed by the needy people in your life? Maybe it's the children that God's given you to raise up. Maybe it's your aging parents. Maybe it's a coworker that just always wants a little more of your time than everybody else does. Because they're needy. Do you feel like providing for them is an impossible assignment? You feel maybe that you're too weak? You don't have the energy? Maybe you feel like you don't have the education level to deal with this, or maybe you don't have the vocabulary to either understand or to communicate with them. Or maybe you don't have the time to feed them what their soul really needs. You feel that way? Hey, listen. Tell Jesus. Tell Jesus. This is exactly what he wants you to do with what he's assigned you to do. You get, here's the good news. You don't have to fake like you're strong. Isn't that good news? Isn't that tiring to try to pretend you got this? You don't have to grit your teeth, and you don't have to dig deep and get through another week. You don't have to make a plan all by yourself and then make sure that plan works instead if you want you can step right into that assignment and tell jesus jesus i am weak i don't have the patience i don't have the energy the wisdom or the resources to do what you've assigned me to do today please help me so the good news of jesus is that we can be weak we get to be weak. Why? Because he is strong. And not only that, he loves to help weak people. Do you know that about Jesus? You know what he, Jesus says to people who say, I got this? He says, okay. Okay. You know what he says to weak people? He says, I don't got this. He says, I'm here. I'm here. In fact, our weakness actually stirs up his compassion for us. It's like he's actually attract, it's an attractant. Isn't that crazy? And Mark brings that out. He says he saw those people and he was tired and he had compassion on them. It stirred up his compassion to see all those needy people. See, to minister to needy people, there's something that we need to give. We need to give what we have to Jesus Christ. You and I need to give what we have to Jesus it's right here in the text. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they'd found out, they said, five. And, and two fish. The disciples, we find out here, they're focused on the desolate setting, the desolate surrounding that they find themselves in. They're focused on the lateness of the hour. They're running out of time. They focus on the lack of supplies, the expansiveness of all the needs, the expense, the expense of all the 
needs. Basically, the disciples are looking at all that they do not have to do Christ's ministry. And Jesus redirects their focus with a simple question. What do you have? Isn't that a great question? What do you have? Go and find out. And so after some investigation, it turns out that they, they have five loaves of bread. It's like little, think of loaves like this, like little flat bread, okay? Found out they have five loaves of bread. and Oh, and two salted sardines, like if that helps anything, right? For 8,000 people. Guys, there is no possible way. There is no universe possible in which that snack is going to feed 5,000 people. Even if they rationed that, that, that's not going to feed 5,000, 6,000, 8,000 people. Imagine what the disciples must have been thinking as they've gone around the crowd and they're coming back with this. Just picture it. And they're holding out what they found to Jesus. Imagine what they must be thinking and feeling through this little exercise. Five loaves of flatbread. I imagine it this way. Well, we did some looking like you told us. And here's what we do have. Here it is. And carried in, in both our hands. This is it. In fact, this is all of it. It's not nothing, but it sure feels like nothing compared to all the needs that we see right here in front of us. But you asked us to go find out what we had. So here you go, Jesus. Here you go. Well, put it in your hands, Jesus. Jesus takes their bread, and he sits this massive crowd down on the green grass, Mark tells us, on the green grass. He makes them lie down in green pastures. And he sits them down in groups of 50 and 100, and that's how you'd sit down before a, a big banquet feast because he is the Messiah of the Messianic banquet that's coming. And he sits them down, in the green grass like a good shepherd would do. And Jesus takes this bread from his disciples and, and with this action, because you know in Mark, actions are speak louder than words, right? With his actions, he just, it's like he basically says this to his disciples, thank you. Now watch this, boys. <laughs> Jesus says to his disciples, you and me, he says to us, stop obsessing about the immensity of the needs in front of you for just a second. Stop going over and over and over and over about all that you don't have for just a second. How many loaves do you have? Like, what do you have? Go find out. And then give it to me. Go find out and give it to me, would you? See, Christ wants you and I to participate in his ministry. As a matter of fact, like we are, whether we know it or not. That's what we're called to do. We are called to extend what Jesus is doing in the world. Not what he will do, what he is doing in this broken world. Jesus wants us to bring the bread of life to needy people to help them be restored to God, to be reconciled with their neighbor, healed in their own spirit, and hopeful for a kingdom that has come in Christ. 
And here's how he wants us to do this ministry, this distributing of the bread of life, to use the little that we have, to use our lack, using our weakness is how he wants us to do this, not just our strengths. And so, and he does this on purpose so that when all are fed, they will know that it was not us who fed them. But Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, fed them so that he will get the credit and the glory, not you and I. What do you have? Go and find out and give it to Jesus. Do you only have a couple of hours a week to give right now? Because that's the stage of life you're in. Do you only have a couple hours? Then give every second of that to Jesus. Do you only have a little money right now? Hand it to Jesus. Put it in his hands. Do you only have a little food right now? Just a, a little encouragement? A little knowledge to give? A little skill? Do you just have a little room? Do you have so little that there is no good you could possibly do with that? Humbly put it in the hands of Jesus and see what he can do to bless others. To minister the needy, there's something that we need to believe as well. We need to believe this if we're going to be able to even do this. We need to believe that Jesus will satisfy abundantly. We ought to believe that Jesus will satisfy abundantly. You and I are never going to get around to giving people Jesus if we don't believe that he actually satisfies, but something else will satisfy better. Does that make sense? So you've got to believe that he will satisfy people's needs. Look at verses 41 and 42. He looked up to heaven, and he said a blessing. He said a blessing. Remember we did the whole thing about blessings in Genesis? It, it's ongoing. Blessings matter. He said a blessing. He broke the loaves. He gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them. And they all ate and were satisfied. They all ate and they were satisfied. Jesus takes what the disciples put in his hands. He takes what they give him blesses it, breaks it, and gives it. Those, all four of those verbs are found in the Lord's Supper, by the way. He takes, he blesses, he breaks, he gives back to the disciples to, for them to give to the people. And, and they're all satisfied. That word satisfied there is like the word you use for, like a, for fattening up an animal. Like, they're full. They, they's like, Stop. Stop with the buffet. I cannot eat another bite. That's what this means. And Mark lets us know this, that Jesus created so much food. This is a creation miracle. Creation's happening in the New Testament. Isn't that amazing? God's not, was like, not was the creator. God is the creator still today, right? And so Jesus is literally creating food. So much food that the people can't, they, they've ate enough. They're full. They're satisfied. They're fat and happy, okay? 
Jesus didn't just make enough rations for the thousands of people to like tide them over until they could get home to where the real food was or to a town where the real meal was. This is a meal he makes for them. They don't want it anymore after being with Jesus. Isn't that amazing? He made a buffet table that completely fills their hunger. And he gives it to the disciples who are running food back and forth from the hands of Jesus to the needy people. From Jesus' hands to the needy people. Don't miss that part in the sequence. And so the crowds ate until they were satisfied, but there's even more here for us to unpack. Mark clearly states that there were 12 baskets full of leftovers. That's not for nothing. That detail's not for nothing. 12 baskets full of leftovers. You know what that means? That means there was one full basket for every disciple who was serving other people. Right? They got fed. Remember when he, like earlier when he sends them out on the mission trip? He says, take no money, take no purse, take no food. They didn't even have food for them. Well, they got food. Jesus didn't forget about them serving. Jesus is not going to forget about you if you're serving in his name. He won't. One basket for every disciple serving the needy. I can't even hardly believe this. This is amazing. You know what that means? Like, like try to get in the story and picture like the actions of what's going on. 5,000, 6,000, 8,000 people in groups of 1,500. They're all out there, and they're running the food back and forth, and there's 12 left over. Do you know what that means? That means everybody else said, no, no, we can't eat anymore. And Jesus is still creating food. He doesn't stop making food. He knows they're full, and he's st- it's like he's put an exclamation mark on what he's doing. You guys tracking with me? Jesus creates food that satisfies an entire stadium-sized crowd, and then Jesus keeps creating more bread and fish. It's like, and I'm trying to picture like all the disciples have lined back up and go like, hey, you know, you can stop. They're done. And it's like Jesus is saying with his actions, you guys still don't get it, do you? I can do this all day. This is nothing for me. I can do this all day. That one full? I can do this all day. And they stand there and have to watch him fill 12 baskets full. I don't run out of supply. You know why? I am the supply. Don't you get it yet? I'm the supply for every needy person. This is how generous, this is how satisfying, this is how nourishing to our whole being Jesus Christ is. He's the God of abundance. He's the God of abundant leftovers. You think about that the next time you open the refrigerator to eat leftovers. It'll revolutionize your meals. And this, brothers and sisters, this Jesus This exact Jesus is who we offer to those in need. Not ourselves, but Jesus, the God of abundant leftovers. 
Tish Harrison Warren writes about the spirituality of meals and how something so ordinary is intended to shape our understanding of God. And I have to wonder if that's why so much of Jesus' ministry happened during a meal, like this meal we just read. But Warren uh, reflects on uh, eating leftovers one day in her book, and she says this, quote, Today I'm having leftovers for lunch. Taco soup. Not homegrown. Not local. Corn and beans dumped from cans into a crock pot. It's a go-to meal for us. What we make when people are coming over because it's cheap and easy. It is adequate and a little boring. Now it's, it's warmed over again on my stove for lunch. Yet in these leftovers, I am surrounded by almost unimaginable abundance. Here, on my table, is a steaming bowl of astounding privilege. So much taco soup that we could not eat it all. Here on my table, so much that we could not eat it all. Here's the truth, brothers and sisters. We have very little to give people. Like, it is beans and corn from a can. You understand what I'm saying? It's beans and corn from a can. But in faith, we give it to Jesus, and he blesses it. He blesses it and breaks it and gives it back to us as a filling meal to set before hungry people. I don't know another word for that except miraculous. Like, and we don't know how this happened. He doesn't tell us how that happened, but it happens, and it's always happening. Jesus gives so much satisfaction, so much fullness to people that there's leftovers. They can't even stomach all of it. It's so good. His supply for people just keeps coming and coming and coming from the hands of Jesus, and with his blessing, we meet the needs of people. That's how we do this. That's the only way we do this. You must believe this, or you will wear yourself out, or you will avoid all needy people, which is not your calling. We do not merely give people our wisdom. You understand what I'm saying? We don't merely give them our wisdom. That's too limited. We set before them like a bowl of soup Christ's wisdom, which is complete. What's it say in Colossians? In him is all the wisdom and treasures of God, right? We do not give them our love. You don't give people who need love your love. There's never enough of love coming from you to fill up that bottomless pit in a person's heart. It's too limited. No, we set before them Christ's love, which is unlimited. 
this boundless well. We don't give them our power. Our power is too little on its own. We lead them by the hand in prayer to Christ's power, which can sustain them even in desolate places. Isn't that great? We are servants, but we're not the source as much as people would want us to be. We're not the source. And so you know what? We must continually point needy people to the source of nourishment, to the source of abundant life. We need to point them to the God of leftovers and 12 baskets full. We need to point them to Jesus Christ. Jesus loves you. Amen. Jesus, thank you for your word. And thank you for your actions. Thank you for what you did for us. Thank you for how you feed us. Jesus, we confess, we so often send people away from you to other things. Good things, wise things, but we're sending them away from you nonetheless to find provisions. Oh, Lord, would you show us? We send them to you. Only with you is there provisions and food and wisdom and love. Father, help us see what what little do we have. Help us put it in your hands. And help us surrender even the results of that to you. It may not even look like the way we want it, but we just surrender it to you and see that you will bless it and you will feed the needy people in our life and in our neighborhood. Would you do this for for, for your glory and for your name's sake? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.